0: in the powerful Isuzu D-MAX. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. Mornings with Mark Duffield. So I've said time and time again, Stewie's our coach, contracted for this year and next year, does a good job of be contracted well into the future. So all I can say is you've got my support to go and get on with the job and manage our players and our staff as well as we can uh, to see what performance we can get out of Port Adelaide and across the rest of the year.
1: Is the Gold Coast Suns Chief Executive, Mark Evans. Before the Port Adelaide game on the weekend, of course, Gold Coast led Port Adelaide in Adelaide at halftime. They were a goal clear of the top two Port Power, folded up in the second half, lost by 33 points. The word has filtered through this morning that Stuart Jew and the Gold Coast Suns will part company. Gold Coast Chairman Bob East gave the club's explanation for the decision this morning on the club's website. Last night the Gold Coast Suns board of directors met and it was determined that Stuart Dew would not continue in his role as the senior coach. Bobby said, "There is no bigger story in footy than the sacking of an AFL coach." We believe there will be a press conference at 9:30 this morning. The Gold Coast Suns will make it official. That they will be parting company with Stuart Dew. He has coached them in 121 games for 36 wins, 84 losses, and a draw. It's a win-loss ratio of about 30 percent, just to tick over. It's a slightly better win-loss record than his predecessors, Guy McKenna and Rodney Eade, who were in the high twenties. Clearly, the fact that three-time Richmond Premiership coach Damien Hardwick is available. Is a factor in this. We've got no doubt that the AFL will be involved in this as well. The irony of this is that in his 206 games and two flags, Stuart Jew was a teammate of Damien Hardwick's in the Port Adelaide Premiership in 2004. And Damien Hardwick was an assistant coach when Stewie Jew was dragged out of retirement to go and play for the Hawks when they upset Geelong to win in 2008. We'll keep you up to speed on this story as it unfolds through the course of the show. As I mentioned, that press conference at the Gold Coast Suns will be coming up at 9.30 this morning, and it's a huge show we've got for you this morning here in the Toolkit Depot studio. We're also going to be talking to Fremantle CEO Simon Garlick later this hour. Fremantle fans are getting restless following the 53-point loss to Carlton at the weekend. They won't play finals this year, even if the maths still say they can. What has gone wrong? We hope that Simon will be able to shed some light on their season for us when he joins us later this hour. For Freo fans, what questions would you like Simon to answer when he joins us? You can get them to us on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. Or you can call us on the open line on 13 12 55. It's been a tough year so far for Frio. It's a tough week ahead. They face Collingwood at the MCG this weekend. It is not the ideal draw for a team that has lost its mojo. Reading social media posts about the Dockers over the past 24 hours, seems like Justin Longmuir, the coach, has lost a few fans after the loss to Carlton. I suspect he can regain a few if the Dockers find a way to topple the pies, but it's a big ask. Longmuir is known as a problem solver. This is a big problem for the Dockers. But thanks to Isuzu Utes, and you can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max, here are four points on the Dockers to four-wheel drive you to work this morning. One, they are too nice. Teams are coming for them after their finals berth last year, and the Dockers need a bit more mongrel about them. Even when they went after Rory Lobb when he first played against them for the Western Bulldogs earlier in the season, the aggro was a bit manufactured. And even when they beat Melbourne at the MCG, which seems a long time ago now, Nathan Buckley, Justin Longmule's old senior coach at Collingwood who was invited inside the tent for the day, said the team were quiet and introverted before they went about their work. It's time for a bit of snarling at Fremantle. Point two. Are they too careful with the ball? The teams that take the game on, the go-ahead game or fast footy teams as they are known, are the ones rising to the top of the AFL ladder at the moment and the ones who want to be safer appear to be the ones coming back to the field or in Frio's case, sinking back further into the pack. Is it time for Longmuir to take the shackles off? Point three, with the finals all but gone, is it time for Justin Longmuir to stick with the kids? We've seen Matt Johnson and Neil Erasmus go into the midfield in the past couple of weeks. It hasn't worked that well for the Dockers, but with the finals all but gone now, do they need to stay the course with them and teach them about the brutal reality of AFL footy between now and the end of the season? It's been a tough couple of weeks for Johnson in particular after a bright start to his career. And point four, Will Brody. And we'll be asking Simon about this when he comes on the show. Is he fit? And if he is fit, will he play against the Pies this weekend? Has he been the victim of Jaeger O'Meara's arrival at the club? Do the Dockers' hierarchy need to find a way to fit him back into the team? Brodie's big body was invaluable at stoppages last year. The Dockers' mids are being pushed around this year. As I mentioned to you earlier, what do you think? Get your questions in for Simon on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736, or give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55. Meanwhile, we've got Josh Kennedy, West Coast legend coming on the show as well, after his team got an 81 point flogging from Brisbane at the Gabba, prompted the headline on the back page of the West Australian today, the worst year in WA football ever. Sorry boys, but you've got short memories. I was old enough to remember 2001. Way, way worse than this year, I can tell you. But a couple of questions for Josh. Uh, They'll be tough for him to answer. He's a loyal bloke, both to the club and to the blokes he played with. But again, thanks to Izuzu Utes, here are four points on the Eagles to four-wheel drive you to work today. Point one, does Andrew Gaff play this weekend? It's been a bleak season for the veteran and rarely bleaker than last weekend at the Gabba. He had just six disposals. Is Gaff finished? Or is he just stripped bare of confidence? Point two, if Gaff does need a spell, does he get a complete rest to recharge the batteries and reboot his confidence? Or does he go back and play in the waffle? The mail from early in the week at West Coast is that they will have six or seven players running around in the waffle this weekend for the first time in about a month, which means they will actually have a real selection meeting this weekend and not just a meeting where they put all the fit blokes in their positions. What does that mean for Gaff? Point three, do you give the Eagles any chance this weekend? This is the 2023 version of Richmond they are playing, not the 2020 version. And this weekend may be the strongest team the Eagles have had on the ground since they ran out in the round three Western Derby against Fremantle. Jerry McGovern is back. Hopefully Shannon Hearn and Luke Shuey get up for this one after being too sore to make the trip to Brisbane. Are they good enough to make a game of this or does more disappointment lie ahead? And point four, and I'll put this one to Josh again this weekend. I asked him about it last weekend. If you're West Coast and you could trade Tom Barris to Sydney for a top five pick and take Harley Reid and Daniel Curtin in the draft, would you do it? It means you still get multiple top ten picks, including the best kid in the draft and the best West Aussie in the draft. And you might snare another highly rated West Aussie with your second round pick. But would you but you would lose your best and fairest winner from twenty twenty two? Is it doable or is it pie in the sky? Give us your thoughts. Big lineup on the show today, as I mentioned, we'll be keeping you up to date on that story unfolding on the Gold Coast. Stuart Jew set to be officially sacked by the Suns at 9.30 at a press conference this morning, our time. After the break, uh, after the first news break at 8.30, we're going to be talking to Simon Garlick, the Docker CEO, and we're also going to come back after the first break talk to WA Talent Manager Adam Jones. He is on holidays down south, but he's going to take our phone call to talk through WA's performance at the national under-18s titles, which finished at the weekend. Two credible efforts for one win, but two bad losses. What does it mean, and what plans are they, um, are they making to ensure a better outcome next year? This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Of course, the big news today is that Stuart Jew, the Gold Coast Suns coach of the last five years, or five and a half years, is to be sacked. There will be a press conference held this morning. Statement on the website of the Gold Coast Suns uh, from their chairman. Says that uh, Stewie, this is Bob East, last night... The Gold Coast Suns Board of Directors met and it was determined that Stuart Dew would not continue in his role as the senior coach. We feel we have a great opportunity to achieve success with this group, but haven't seen the improvement we were after in 2023. And as a football club, we must be prepared to make tough decisions in that pursuit of success. Stuart has made a significant contribution to this football club dedicating countless hours towards helping establish a platform from which our club can grow. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank him, his wife, Sarah, and family for the last six years. This is SEN's Tom Morris on his Sacking as Coach.
2: So Stuart you um, spoke with the powers that be late last night and he was informed that he, he would be sacked at the club and then the players came in this morning yesterday was a day off and then they were informed by again mark evans um, at a meeting that steward you had been sacked um, with immediate effect exactly right exactly so gold coast needed to make the call um, maybe with a nod and a wink maybe from damien harbick's manager that's the sort of thing that happens rather than damien Hardwick himself so the gold coast suns saying that they haven't spoken to Damien Hardwick is accurate, but it doesn't mean the Gold Coast Suns haven't got a nod and a wink from his manager Paul Connors or someone else close to Damien Hardwick, which allows them then to make the call on Stuart Jew, knowing that uh, Hardwick would be keen for that role, just as St Kilda did with Ross Lyon. They didn't make they didn't make contact directly with Ross Lyon. They went through a third party. They knew that Ross Lyon would be open to it. They sacked Brett Ratton and then they appointed Ross Lyon. I'd be surprised if the same hasn't happened here at the Gold Coast Suns.
1: That is SEN's Tom Morris on Jared Waitley's show this morning. Uh, Damien Damien Hardwick's availability clearly is the elephant in the corner of the room here. And the other elephant in the corner of the room, there are two elephants sitting in the corner of the room. There's not much room left in the room. Uh, This is an AFL franchise, effectively. The AFL, of course, it's one of their frontier teams. Uh, and it is the one probably that faces the most problematic future. If you look at them compared to Greater Western Sydney, Greater Western Sydney is a very small part of a massive market. They only have to get a very tiny chunk of that market to be viable, and they already have made great inroads in the Canberra market. Their membership is up around 30,000. They are making progress. Bit of a setback through COVID, but they are going okay. But Gold Coast It's going to be difficult. It's going to be ongoing. They need a big name. Jamie and Hardwick is that big name. Expect them and the AFL to go after him uh, with all guns blazing. We'll take a break and be back with more after the break.
2: King towards a one-on-one. That's a terrific pluck from Dan Curtin. Prospect he is. Taken away, though, by WA Curtin. It was WA's best player in that first Couldn't quite get it away cleanly. Curtin
1: pounces on the ball. Kicks to half for Yes, one of the highlights of Daniel Curtin, of course, he was Western Australia's MVP over the four-game National 18s Championships just concluded at the weekend. To bring us up to speed on how WA went and uh, what uh, they're looking at doing going forward, WA State Talent Manager Adam Jones joined us on the show. Adam, welcome. G'day, Duff. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, mate. Uh, thanks for coming on. I believe you're taking a well-earned break down south. For, thanks for spending the time to share your thoughts with us. No worries. I always end up being on the call with uh, with my daughter in the background. So, <laughs> as the last time. so, Adam, it was a disappointing way to end the championships with an 81-point loss to Vic Metro on the weekend. Sum up the championships overall for us.
3: No, that's right. We had had some really good moments, game two and three. Um, the boys played really good footy, um, but but the champs was bookended um, with some poor performances, opening um, the, the carnival against the Allies, and then finishing um, yeah poorly against Metro. Um, but yeah, as, as young young kids, always can struggle with consistency, and and the two games at the start and the finish were the ones where we were travelling. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot to learn um, about those two games.
1: So we spoke yesterday. I did a story for Code Sports, and you talked about what you might put in place for next year to try and mitigate against that. Um, talk us through that.
3: Yeah, we, we yeah, as you always do, we review um, quite quickly after some some dis- dis- disappointing performances. Uh, we certainly felt leading into the first game, um, it was a big shock for the players in terms of playing at that level um, and, and even you know, yeah, the travel factor for both those games. So yeah, one idea we, we're going to pitch to the AFL is, is about trying to play some of our trial games against South Australia or our know, combined Queensland team, perhaps. Um, they're doing really well with their academies. Um, they're 16 pretty strong. So something like that where, where we might be able to get some travel in but also play against some, some quality opposition. Um, to help prepare these boys for what the level is like at the championships.
1: So one thing they do in Victoria, I know, is they have a young guns team, which is basically a 22 and under team that plays against Vic Metro and Vic Country in their lead into the championships. Is it possible we could get a similar concept here up and running to, to give our boys a good look at the sort of opposition they're going to face?
3: No, absolutely. It's that's that's another good show. We've done that in the past um, during the state game by... Yeah, play under-21s or under-23 uh, Waffle combined teams. Um, so that's definitely another option um, that we can look at as well.
1: The Waffle Colt system, where is it at, Adam? And is it at a level that adequately prepares our young players, not just for the National 18s titles, but also for um, their graduation into AFL?
3: Yeah, look, it, it is a it's a good competition, um, and yeah, you have um, down years and, and up years, and um, there's no doubt when the the best teams are playing against each other, that um, I think it's a, a reasonable level of preparation um, heading into the carnival. But yeah, it's not a not at the standard of the Coats League in Victoria. Um, and, um, yeah, it's definitely something that, that we have to look at to help prepare these boys um, for their journey into AFL. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll review. We, we're constantly having discussions about how we can make our competitions better. Uh, but, yeah, it's not, not an easy fix to, to make a, a competition more, more competitive.
1: How do you go with, this is clearly something that has to be negotiated with waffle clubs and, and managed through with them, which adds another party, I guess, to the whole um, scenario. And I'm not apportioning blame or anything like that uh, in any direction here, but how do you go um, massaging that sort of stuff through with the waffle clubs who are operating on limited budgets with limited resources?
3: No, that, that's a, it's a really good point and you know, our, our waffle clubs do it. A terrific job with with the money that they have access to, um, and and yeah, we've got some fantastic coaches coaches in, in the Waffle Colts competition. Um, but yeah, it's it's more around you know the the quality that the guys get to train with, um, the standard that's being set, the examples that are being set. You know, can we try and push more players to do senior pre seasons? Um, you know, the guys that, that played some senior football, Clay Hall, uh, Colton Falstrop, um they were strong performers throughout the entire championships. So, you know, all all those discussions are, are had most years, and 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 we're certainly um, keen to work through what's what's the best case scenario to help give as many of our WA kids the chance to get drafted.
1: So Daniel Curtin won your MVP, had four very strong games across the Carnival. Um, Clay Hall, as you mentioned, was another really strong performer. Tell us about uh, your other strong performers that you think will figure prominently in the draft.
3: Look, yeah, Mitch Edwards is, is one known that springs to mind. He um, had a concussion and um, was a big out for us in that last game against Metro. Um, so, yeah, he's a big 205, 206 centimetre kid that, um, yeah, just shows some real signs that um, once he develops a big engine and puts some more weight on his body, he's going to be a fantastic ruckman um, at the next level. Um, You know, Riley Hardeman, who captained our team, uh, fantastic character and kid. He's got blistering pace, uh, developed an ability overhead um, this year that we haven't really seen as much in his game before this year. So, yeah, he's one that... um, I'm sure it's going to attract some interest at the end of the year. And some guys like uh, Aiden, Aiden O'Driscoll, brother of uh, Nathan and Emma at, at Fremantle. Yeah, he showed some great signs throughout the, the championships with his speed and endurance and work ethic. Uh, I think he's going to find his way onto an, onto a list. Uh, and then probably some lesser names like uh, Reese Torrent, uh, who played on, predominantly on a wing for us, Peel Thunder Kid showed some really nice work with his left foot. Oscar Hine, Bastion, uh, who did some great jobs up until a real tough encounter against Nick Wasson uh, against Metro, but I think he might have shown enough um, to give himself a chance at the end of the year as well.
1: Tell us about the bottom ages that you've got, the ones that uh, will be the top ages next year and in that draft crop. What are we looking at and, and how strong do you expect your team to be next year?
3: Yeah, look, next year is, is looking like it could potentially be a lighter year. Uh, we had Bo Allen play all four games this year, and he was absolutely fantastic. Um, did a tremendous job down back on some dangerous forwards for the opposition. Um, we had the other guys we had in the squad this year. Uh, Odis Harvey played the first game. Austin strike played the last two games. Um and then we had a number of boys that trained on with the squad um that were bottom eight. so you yeah, know we've got a lot of work to do to get those guys um up to the level um they They did reasonably well at the sixteens championships last year um but that doesn't guarantee anything unfortunately so um yeah, next year we've got, we've got a fair bit of work to do to, to make sure we get the numbers that we traditionally do each year.
1: How are we tracking at the 16's championships? What, how strong is that group?
3: Yeah, we had a, a good group. Um, won two out of the three games and finished on the same, same wins as, as Metro who, who won the championship. Um so yeah, there's a good level of talent at that age group. Um, we had one of our best midfielders, um, missed the entire entire carnival, Fred Rodriguez, um, which which made the performances even better. Um, yeah I suspect we'll get um, three four five in the all Australian squad. Um, so yeah, um, the stocks coming through are looking reasonable at that age group.
1: We saw Colton Falstrop play senior footy for earlier in the year. We saw Riley Hardeman do likewise, likewise out at Swan Districts. Will we see uh, some of these 18s players make appearances at senior level for their waffle clubs, and who are the most likely, do you think?
3: No, we will. We've uh, already had um, some clubs um, reach out in terms of... Uh, getting their players up to seniors, you'll see um, some of our pure kids: Mitch Edwards, Clay Hall, Reese Torrent. I think they'll go straight up into the reserves, and uh, when the opportunity poses, they'll play some senior football. Um, yeah, Colton, I, I suggest would walk um, you know, pretty close to straight back in into his position, and it was talked about with Claremont um, at the start of the year that. Um, Daniel Curtin, once he'd finished his his, uh, championships campaign, that he would potentially go up to play seniors. um, And and if uh, if you a Claremont, it would be a great uh, proposition to have a young player like him come up uh, potentially play some finals football. They're the the main names that that, um, we've probably spoken about with clubs, um, but I'm sure there'll be others that... um, might might, might wake, make their way up. Yeah, a few of those Perth boys in Amede School once he finishes his school commitments, and Oscar Heimbastion. and Bastion, uh, I think they've got senior football um, written all over them, um, which would be great to see. Um, but yeah, time will tell with some of those other guys.
1: Lance Collard and Cohen Livingston, two NGA prospects for West Coast. Um, obviously, the quirk of the NGA system is that they have to get to pick 40 before the the club can match bids, which I think is a nonsense given the Northern States get academies. Um, but um, will they get to pick 40 and will West Coast take them, do you think?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Duff. They're, they're both a couple of interesting players and... Um, and have probably you know, been up and down on, on clubs' radars, no doubt. Lance um, has all the talent to be taken in the top 40. Um, you know, some performances where he wasn't getting much of the footy uh, would, have, would have raised some doubts. Uh, he, he played really well, sort of got going against Vic Country uh, before a calf injury ruled him out for our last game. So, yeah, he, he's definitely got the talent to be taken top 40. Um and it's probably going you know, to a lot depend on how he finishes the year. He'll, he'll probably get an opportunity in finals at Subiaco and the Colts. Um, so so that'll be another yeah, good case, a chance for him to, to press his case to go up in the draft order. Then Colin Livingston, um, yeah, another one that, you know, probably views probably vary from club to club. Um, yeah, where our discussions with, with Colin is he's probably viewed as more as a, a forward that might be able to back up in the ruck uh, at the next level. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's, he's got to keep working on his forward craft and um, when, he, when he did pinch hit in the ruck at the championships, um, he was very, very good. Uh, when, he, when he had to hold the number one mantle um, in the last game against Metro, it was a fair bit more challenging for him. So, again, yeah, he, you know, playing for Perth on top of the ladder, going to get some finals opportunities um, to push his case again. Um, but, yeah, he, he'll sort of be around you know, the 40 onwards mark. Um, and, and if he can go really well, you might squeeze him that 40. But I dare say he might be available for West Coast.
1: Adam, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Uh, enjoy your breakdown, South, and look forward to talking to you a lot more in the lead-up to the draft at the end of the year.
3: No worries, Duff. Thanks for having me on again.
1: Adam Jones, he is a WA State Talent Manager at the West Australian Football Commission. We'll take a break, and after the break, we'll be talking to Fremantle CEO Simon Garlick.
4: Chera, taken under a strong tackle, the tackle of a sarong, and that was a tough tackle. Thanks to Hard Yakka for a new breed of legends. Yes, welcome
1: back to the Toolkit Depot studio. That was Tim Gossage's call of the Caleb Sarong tackle on Adam Chera, which has now landed him a week's suspension. We're joined on the show now by Fremantle CEO Simon Garlick. Simon, welcome. Thanks, Mark. Good to be on. Um, let's get the operational stuff out of the way first. Will you be challenging the Caleb Sarong suspension or will you be accepting it?
5: Uh, we're working through that as we speak, Mark, um, as is the case with uh, a lot of the AFL timings. They're pretty Victorian-centric, so we've extended, requested the extension we're supposed to finalise that by 9am this morning um, but we're just uh, obviously weighing up all the elements you know, particularly likelihood of successful challenge um, we're looking at it really closely I'd suggest a challenge is more likely than not but there's a few things we're working through um, this morning before we finalise
1: that I know it's difficult for you to comment so I'll comment for you, we've got to a stage now where this is just a routine call. The caller, Tim Gossage, very experienced caller, saw it. Just a routine tackle, hard tackle. The umpire saw it, saw it as a routine tackle. The Carlton players saw it, saw it as a routine tackle. And a player has been suspended for a week as a result of that tackle. I know we've got to protect the head, but I just wonder whether that tackle fits the bill as a dangerous Tackle, but we'll move on from that, Simon. Uh, and I won't put you <laughs> in the typical position of having to comment on that because I, I believe it's probably been a difficult week for you anyway. It's been a disappointing season. Tell us where you sit and how you feel about it.
5: Oh yeah, look, we're incredibly disappointed with where we're currently at, Mark. Um, we certainly haven't delivered against our own internal expectation, and understand that we certainly haven't met those of our members and fans, and and obviously, you know, those of the broader football. Um, industry, if you like, and, and particularly media. Um, and while that is the case, realistically, out, our focus is on doing all we can um, right now to turn that around. And, you know, there's no better challenge in footy right now than the pies at the MCG this coming Saturday. So that's a complete and utter focus for us. But at the same time, um, you know, it's really important that we look to win as many games as we can on the run in this year and stay in contention um, while at the same time not losing sight of our overall objective of building a team and a club that can contend on a sustained basis. That's that's our overarching objective and I've spoken to you about that a number of times and and our members and and supporters have heard me talk about that regularly Um, but that remains unapologetically our, our priority and one that we certainly believe we can and will achieve.
1: So you and I have had a number of discussions about this, and we talked about progress not being a linear thing. But I, th- I think we both thought there'd be a plateau, maybe, and not a sinking down to fourteenth on the ladder where you are at the moment. So, what do you think has gone wrong for you this season?
5: Yeah, you're right. I, I we certainly agree. Um, you know, we've had a pretty, pretty um, smooth progression, if you like, under under JL since his first year in 2020 when we won seven games. Um, 10 in 21 and 15 and a half last year. We, um, we we certainly are very mindful of the fact that this game is as uncompromising and ruthless a competition as there is in the world. And you know the reality is when you finish in the top six, um, you, you tend to you get a harder draw. Um, you're certainly not sneaking up on any side. The expectations grow, um, and you well you know well too, Mark, that we certainly made decisions at the end of last year. Um, um, that were all within our control that made us younger again. So we knew there was going to be some challenges this year. Um, it doesn't. It's not a rationalisation, or certainly not making any excuses. But um, we haven't performed to the level that we'd like to. Particularly, you know, the inconsistency in, the, in around the contested part of the game and, and the clearance part of the game. Um, you know, it might be a simplification, but you know, the reality is, I think that's where it's clear that. Our greatest level of improvement will come from us, you know, getting our game in order at the contest. We we were vastly improved in our scoring capability and effectiveness last year, off the back of a strong and consistent clearance and contested game. Um, and you know what this year has shown more than any, I think, probably in the game's history, and it's certainly been the case for us to to learn some great lessons from that. You only have to be slightly off on any given week, and and you. You get beaten, if you're a fair way off, you, you get belted. You know We saw that on the week against Carlton a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago against GWS. Our, our job now is to recover from that, as we did after GWS and beat a, a pretty impressive in the following week. Um, and that starts this week against the Pies.
1: There are always trends in the game, Simon, and fast footy, as they call it, or go-ahead footy, um, appears to be taking teams up the ladder and careful footy appears to be taking teams back to the pack. Justin Longmere, if I described him as a coach, I'd describe him as a problem solver, but also a coach who likes control and likes careful football. Does he need to change uh, to follow the trend in the game?
5: I think all clubs and coaches are constantly looking to evolve. Um, yeah. I I think there's perceptions that that can come about and certainly, you know, Justin was was vocal and speaking a bit certainly earlier in the year that, you know, when the game hasn't gone our way or the opposition have got on top of us, then we have certainly become insular and and we know that. That's certainly not a directive and not a style of play that we're looking to continue to work with. And the opposite end of the spectrum, um, you know, in a game against the Bombers or when we beat Geelong early in the year or Sydney or, or Melbourne, all, you know, pretty significant sides in the whole scheme of things. Um, we saw dare and dash with ball movement, you know, from that perspective. And we'll certainly look to ensure that we're not looking to play it safe and worrying about making an error, which is certainly what it's looked like at times when we haven't had our, our game in order at the contest and beyond. So um, it's, it's a constant evolution. Um, you know, Justin and his, his coaching group um, along with the playing group are, are always looking at ways that they can improve and as you say that certainly looks to be a trend that's occurring at a broad level and when we're playing at our best it's something that we can do quite well.
1: We've asked uh, listeners to text questions in to get you to respond to them, Simon. There's one um, fairly forthright one uh, from a long... He calls himself a long-suffering Fremantle faithful supporter, Ryan Fletcher. He said, time to get ruthless, Mr. Garlick. Let's get in the running for the best coach, uh, available, to- best coach available. Time to get rid of Longmuir and chuck the hat in the ring for Damien Hardwick. Longmuir's coaching style is flawed. We can't s- start playing in the second quarter and expect to be competitive in many games. Please, please, please consider what is best for the club moving forward before we have another exodus due to having no direction on game day. Give us your thoughts on that. And do you think that's a widespread view amongst your members or do you think that's an isolated view?
5: Oh, look, I, I don't think Ryan would be completely on his own, but I think it's a—it's certainly a short-term um, and narrow view. You know, I'm not sure where Ryan was sitting when we won 15 and a half games um, you know, in the regular season last year and, and we're able to win a final. Um, you know, we certainly have been incredibly disappointed with our starts this year. It's a real issue for us. You know, giving away, you know, the first three goals of the game has been... Nearly feels like it's been a habit and then needing everything to go right. The Richmond game was a great example of that. We worked our way into it, but we're just relying on on too much, too few, uh, too few at the, uh, towards the end of the game to get us the result. Um it's just such a short-term view. When we're building, you know, you know our history as well as any, Mark. Um, there's precedents all over the competition of sides that off the back of a, a culture-based environment and a values-based program have been able to contend for decades, in Geelong's cases, for two decades. And um, we're just not a club that's going to you know, blink and, and jump at shadows just because it hasn't gone exactly as we want to it right now. Um, our organisation has, has, has played consecutive final series once in its, in its history, you know, from 2012 onwards, four, four years running. And then we obviously fell off a cliff after 2015. So we're making decisions that maximise our chance of winning every game we play in right now in the short term. But by the same token, um, we're not going to make easy decisions to you know avoid short-term criticism at the expense of of the long-term plan for us to give ourselves the best type of success. So I understand the frustration. Um, I get a lot of correspondence from from long-suffering fans, as you say, say, Mark, and I understand Ryan's um, frustration at what's occurring right now. Um, But we believe, you know, there's a foundation with, with a cohort of
1: young and talented players that are coming through together
5: that are going to be the nucleus of, of a premiership-winning site, and um, and we're not going to step away from that.
1: More moderate question from John at Floriatt. Uh The loss of Josh Carr seems to have had a huge negative impact. Can Freo use an asset like Stuart Dew? who obviously the unfolding story this morning is Stuart Dew's departure from Gold Coast? Lots of teams have picked up ex-head coaches as strong assistants. Uh, I know it's a bit early for that, Simon, but um, would, uh, would Fremantle look at a player... Uh, or look like look at an experienced coach like Stuart due to bolster the overall expertise of the coaching group.
5: Yeah, I think you're right, Mark. It's pretty early. Out of respect for Stuart, who's been a great football person and made a huge contribution to the game, and has obviously had incredibly disappointing news come to him, um, you know, overnight it seems, and and, and been confirmed this morning. Um, so clearly not looking to go into specifics in terms of personalities. What I will say though um, is that. We're constantly reviewing, you know, this time of year in particular. Um, we go over basically every cent that we have to spend in our soft cap. Um, we we analyse it with a fine-tooth comb in terms of what we've done this year and look at the number that we've got to work with next year and think about how we can continue to improve our program. And one of the beauties of JL as a coach um, amongst a number of his strengths is that He's always open to seeing how he uh, and his coaching program can can get better. So that's something that we're looking at with Ernest and, you know, we haven't got any... um any concerns with seeing what we can do to to get better and who we might be able to bring into our program to help us. So, you know, that's something that's certainly taking place as we speak.
1: Interesting the way the club or the team set up in this inside the centre square when the game went on the line against the Doggies a week or so ago and then even at the start of the game um, against Carlton at the weekend. There were times... In the middle of the last quarter, after Freya had hit the front, where Erasmus and Johnson were inside the centre square, and uh, I, I'm not sure whether Erasmus was there for the first bounce against the Blues, but Matt Johnson certainly was. Is this part of this the short-term, long-term balance you're trying to achieve, where you're trying to get big-time experience into these players, but has it come at a cost? Um, well, it
5: was certainly in experience, right? but the reality is. is um where we sit right now is that of all the selected teams up to around 17, we're killed the second youngest and second, second least experienced side in the AFL. Um, and we've been less experienced in every opponent we've played this year other than Hawthorne. Now, that's not an excuse by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's just the facts of the matter. And as I said, we, um, we believe we've got a very strong cohort of, of high talent, high character young men. Um, they're as driven as I've seen a group in footy um, and you know the names. I'm not going to go through them. You've, you've listed a, a few of them. But the group that are 24 or younger that are coming through, there's, there's 12 to 15 of those that we think incredibly highly of. So for us to be able to get that sort of experience, um, and you raised Matt Johnson as an example, um, you know, he's played on Marcus Pontepelli twice this year, two separate games for extended periods. Um the value for someone like him who we think, and we think Matt's got an incredibly bright future. We're really pleased to see him commit long-term to the club. Um, you can't understate the value of, of that type of experience. So you're right. We, we, we're not just doing it to purely get experience into the players. We're trying to give ourselves the best possible chance of winning, while at the same time um, understanding the benefits that the investments that are made now are going to pay off in time.
1: Um the contracts given to Nathan Fife and Michael Walters, Michael Walters appears to be tracking well, he appears to still be a functional part of your forward line. Nathan Fife's body appears to be failing him and you've got two more years of contract to run there. Do you regret that or are you confident you can get more good footy out of Nathan once he overcomes uh, the foot problem that he's got at the moment?
5: No, really confident, mate. It's it's The foot problem is a really disappointing one, but it's an isolated scenario. Um, that's most significant injury challenges over I suppose the, the, the period before that were were really a the basis of um, you know how hard uh, the, the type of player it'd been when the shoulders and, and other areas were just letting him down because of the load that he'd had to bear um, you know he, you know how much of a professional is um, his experience and, and professionals around our younger groups going to be um, uh, you know, invaluable Um yeah, the one upside of this current injury is that you know the those other areas I referred to um, are certainly getting a bit of respite, are getting better and stronger by the day. So he's, he's, the deal that Nat signed is very advantageous for us as a club. Um, he's a warrior, and, and I'm certainly very confident in the final chapter in Nat's you know, incredible Fremantle journey is yet to be written.
1: There's a question from Noddy coming through. Um, currently, Fremantle have given up the below for Luke Jackson, so pick thirteen from 2022, pick five from 2023, and pick 24 from 2023. Are you happy with that? And you're confident that the Jackson deal ends up being a good one for Freo?
5: Yeah, I am, Mark. Um, it's you know, obviously, this is a point in time. Um, we didn't recruit Luke to necessarily um, you know, change the world overnight, um, and particularly just in 2023. Um, you know, he, he's, he, we forget that he's a young 21-year-old ruckman who's you know, still finding his way in the game. He's been incredibly successful in that short career um, in terms of premierships and rising star and impacts on game today. Um, but we all know the story of Ruckman, who tend to take till they're 23, 24, 25 to really find their feet. He, he's doing incredible things for a player at his age at this point in time. He's a huge addition to our club you know, on the field, but equally off it in terms of the character he is and, and the, the, the addition to the, the culture that we're trying to build. Um, and we've seen already elements of his game this year that you know when he single-handedly took over the ruck after Sean Went off at quarter time against the you know, the, the, the Premier of, of 2021 um, in the Ds at the MCG uh, and dominated that game. We saw him combine with Jai uh, and Josh Tracy against the Swannies earlier in the year. Um, that was the second time those three played together as a young forward group. So we're pretty confident that when they've got 20 or 30 games together, they're going to be a handful. So... I think in time um, that trade will, will look as a very favourable one for the Fremantle Football Club.
1: You did have an, a strategic plan, Simon, and we all know what a strategic plan is. It's what the, the, the club aspires to, but it has created, I guess, expectation and a standard to be held to. Um, one yep. coming in from Carlos from Pemberton saying, "Ah, Simon Garlick, instead of making outlandish predictions about winning flags, get your coaching and recruitment groups in order first. Now, um, clearly Richmond had a stumble with theirs and their strategic plan is almost like the standard bearer of strategic plans across the competition. Tell us about strategic plans and what do they mean and uh, and is it a setback that you can't meet all the criteria that you set in your strategic plan?
5: Oh, look, we, we, all, we knew there was going to be critics um, when we decided to release it publicly. There's a lot of clubs... Um, and organisations who don't do it. And I think it's very easy um, to not do it. It's certainly the easier path to take. But, you know, those of us in the positions we are at the club are there on behalf of our members. They're ostensibly our shareholders and they absolutely deserve to know and have an understanding, and have input even into you know, what the clubs trying to achieve on on their behalf. So we won't for a minute step away from that being the right thing to do. We're not we're not a privately run organisation that just does what it likes to do without consulting and and communicating with its most important stakeholders, our members. Um, but we understand that we're going to get you know criticised, and there will be looking for we're a number of people looking for us to fail against our objectives and, and trip up. That's the nature of the game we're in, and the the, the world that we we operate in, but we'd much prefer to put ourselves on the hook and make commitments um, rather than playing it safe and keeping our aims and aspirations locked up in a, in a filing cabinet. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put everything we possibly can into achieving every one of the aspirations that we've set ourselves for our members and fans, that's where our focus sits. Um, we're just over halfway and, and clearly, you know, we always want to be further advanced, but we're, we're pushing 62,000 members um, at the end of this year. We're, we're averaging just under a kick under 46,000 attendees at over We're going to aim to get to 50,000 by the end of 2025. We're in the top five for, for average crowds um, behind clubs that have 100,000 members and operate at a stadium that has 100,000 seats. Um, we're profitable, we're pushing towards cash flow targets um, and you know the big one has us wanting to make sure we win a premiership in both AFL and AFLW so we, we don't step away from that for a moment Mark that's uh, that's a really important thing for us to do on behalf of our members and fans and we'll keep focusing on what we can do to achieve those aims.
1: Let's uh, finish on a positive note Jai Amos, can he win the Rising Star? So had a, an amazing season for a 19 year old really
5: Yeah, he has. Um, Mark, we're ecstatic to have Jai commit to the club long-term, and you heard him, him, Matt, and Josh talk about the path that they see the club on, um, the success that they potentially see them all having with that other cohort I talked about that are all committed to the club long-term. He's, again, an outstanding young man, um, incredible character. Uh, The thing that I think people are starting to see, he's clearly got the capability as a lead-up forward to... Um, lead at the league, take a mark and kick a goal, but he finds goals in different ways. Um, to do what he's doing at 19 is incredibly impressive. Um, he's on track to kick 40 goals, which you'd think would have him- you know, right in the frame, Mark. So um, I know it's not a huge focus for him and certainly not for us at club, but it'd be great recognition for someone we think is going to be a pretty important player for us over a long period of time.
1: Simon, really appreciate your time joining us on the show today. I'm sure it's been a a hectic week and probably a a little bit of a week where you've had to have a helmet on down there and uh, absorb some of the criticism coming to the club. But we really appreciate coming on and uh, putting the club's position in a forthright manner. Thanks.
5: No, thanks for having me on, Mark. No, no worries
1: at all. Simon Garlick, he is the CEO of the Fremantle Football Club. Obviously, they're going through a tough week. They have a tough challenge ahead of them this weekend with Collingwood at the MCG. Hopefully, they put their best foot forward. We'll take a break and be back with more after the break. Welcome back. We will be going to some news uh, directly, but after the news, we'll be coming back to talk to West Coast legend, and Life member Josh Kennedy about his team's 81-point loss to Brisbane at the Gabba at the weekend. Not great, but certainly better than 171 points against the Swans a couple of weeks ago. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA. If you want to have your say on the show, you can on the temper at bedshed text line on 0487 736 736, or you can give us a call on the open line. That is 13 12 55. We'll be back after the break.
6: There's those two and Ruben as well. Um, and then in the forward line, you've got you know, Ryan and, and Longy and, and Jack Williams and obviously half down back with Bazo So there's just, you're going to see them together a lot in the next hopefully 10 years. Um, it's just going to be a bit harder at this stage with a with lack of experience. But yeah, no, you're getting a glimpse of the future.
1: That is West Coast coach Adam Simpson talking about the team's young guns. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Thanks to Isuzu Ute bringing you the show today. You can live your own way in the Isuzu DMAX. Well, every Tuesday we are joined by this man. He's a West Coast Eagles legend. He's an AFL Life member. He's joined us on mornings thanks to New Farm Galaxy for flexible broadleaf weed control, you choose New Farm Galaxy. Josh Kennedy, who chooses New Farm Galaxy, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Duff. How are you, mate? I'm all right. I'm okay. Made an 81-point loss. We've reached the point where I think I watched that game and I thought, I reckon they will be a bit relieved after the first seven goals went on to Brisbane. <laughs> um, what, did, what did you make of it?
7: Yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting. I don't know how you sound, uh, I suppose the the first quarter, like I know West Coast obviously didn't didn't score until obviously we real late with Jack and um, yeah, the, the, the pressure was there at start the first ten minutes and it was kind of you know I thought oh boys are on and then yeah and I Simo talked about it, the floodgates kind of opened up but um, it just seemed uh, yeah it wasn't. I know Brisbane was scoring, but it just—I know the game didn't really seem really exciting from from either side. It just seemed a bit of a, a bit of a nothing. But West Coast just couldn't score, and 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 Brisbane just seemed to just keep kicking those goals. But it, it wasn't like. Yeah, you sat there and you're excited that the brand of footy that Brisbane were playing, it just, yeah, it was kind of a little bit boring. Oh, I don't know, I found it. But then, um, but yeah, obviously uh, controlling the bleeding and, and moving forward with what West Coast did with, with numbers and owning the football, obviously seeing their marks, you know, a lot higher or a little bit higher than what Brisbane's were and, um, it's probably the first time uh, we've seen that kind of momentum shift, I think, in, in games like this where the opposition get on top and, um, and, yeah, West Coast have generally tried to play the way they wanted to play and um, the, the game has really opened up to some big scores. 80, 80 points is a, big, is a big loss, but, um, but it seemed that they're able to control the bleeding a fair bit in those last three quarters.
1: Yeah, nine goals to three after quarter time. I think um, Adam Simpson, to use a footy term, he sandbagged a bit. And I think he probably had to. I don't think they could afford to have another another effort like they got um, against Sydney a couple of weeks ago. And I think the effort was there, Josh. Um, That's what Mm. I saw early in the game. It was just that they were getting outplayed and... um, so they were a bit bees to the honeypot, weren't they, early, where, where Brisbane were able to get the ball to the outside and own the ball on the outside, and, and West Coast did a better job of controlling that after quarter time.
7: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And That's what Brisbane are so good at. Obviously, the, the, the contested ball. They, they I think they end up winning 122 to 96, and they've always been. They've got some pretty good inside mids, and um, you know, especially from clearances. You know, they, they're always pretty dominant in that area. So once it does hit the deck, and um, having those guys in around the, the contest and being able to win it from inside to out, you know, that's where Brisbane obviously look um, look very dangerous, and um, they're able to do that on occasions, and um, yeah, get that. I suppose those goals kicked early in the game but um yeah you know so full credit to, to the boys from west coast in, in, in putting the pressure and trying to at least control that bleeding because um yeah it could have been a could have been another big 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 loss.
1: Tough question for you mate. I know you take loyalty very seriously. Andrew Gaff, six disposals yeah. on the weekend it's been a tough year for him. Does he have to go back to the waffle or do you just sit him down and rest him or does he continue to play in the AFL?
7: Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting question, you know, and um, it kind of look, you know, I suppose, at times when I've had other teammates or I've been in that situation and, um, you know, as a senior player and the experience that you've had in the calibre, you know, obviously gaffy has been... In a bit of a form slump, and, and he's working through that. And he's been, you know, trying everything. And sometimes you can you can really try too hard just to, to get out of these form slumps, and it can be quite difficult. But obviously, the way the game was played on the weekend didn't really suit into, I suppose, um, how Gaffy plays. And, you know, West Coast had no really free flowing uh, ball movement, and it was pretty stagnant and uh, floating numbers back and pretty. Stationary stop, you know, kick, you know, he wasn't able to get into the game. So it's um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I, you know, whether Gaff um, Andrews' current injuries and whether he needs to rest, um, whether he goes back and plays Waffle, for those conversations will be between Simo and. And, Andrew, on, on what the best, uh, I suppose, scenario is and, um, I suppose, how many chances you do give, you know, senior players and, and, and letting them keep pushing through these form slumps. Sometimes it get to a point where the coach does make that decision and says, mate, just have a bit of a rest this weekend, recoup. And um, whether he goes back and plays Waffle, I'm not too sure. I don't know whether Andrew will get any benefit out of playing Waffle. Um, you know, you would probably see him just have a rest. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens um, this week or next
1: yeah, it's an interesting run because it sounds like they're going to have six or seven players running around in the waffle, so they will actually have to have a selection meeting this week rather than just yeah. p- putting the players yeah. in their positions. Um, did you yeah. uh, I, I don't know whether you were tuned into it, Josh, but did you um did you follow the Waffle team's fortunes on the weekend and uh, in the game against Perth, they got pretty dramatic towards the end of the game.
7: Yeah, I don't. I've watched a few highlights and a bit. I wasn't able to watch it on TV um, on streaming, but um, but yeah, it's, um, it was a very great effort. Obviously, yeah, it, it was amazing. I suppose the back end of the game there, and um, I don't know. To, to see, I suppose, what's been happening this year, um, and to have, you know, um, a game like that, you know, it does that. It's, it's really positive, um, you know, and even just uplifting, I suppose, for for a group that, um, you know, have been inconsistent with players and players from here and there playing and 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 not really having any consistency in the way they go about it. So it's um, obviously a bit of a positive there.
1: Brady Hoff, uh, we've talked a few we've talked about a few of the Eagles younger players and uh, the higher draft picks. but Brady Hoff's game on Charlie Cameron on the weekend was quite exceptional and uh, tell us a bit about him.
7: Oh mate, he's um yeah. I suppose he's he's someone who's just come in and um, you know you give him a task or you you, you show him things. You know, I know that guys like Bung and um, Gov and you know just showing him, I suppose, certain tricks and things to do, and he goes and practices, and then it comes out in his game. And he's just someone who, who just wants to have a crack, plays his role, does his job. He's not afraid to make a mistake. And if he does, he'll keep learning. And, um, you know, so given the task that he obviously had on the weekend with Charlie Cameron and... Um, Keeping kind of goalless and um, he was pretty close checking and um, there's a few elements to to Bray's game where you know you, you love him running off half back and um, delivering out the wing or you know being able to push for like push forward and kicking inside fifty and and obviously those metres gained were, were pretty minimal on the weekend due to the fact that yeah he was he was doing his job on 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 Cameron and um, yeah it's great to see you know he, never in doubt it would have been a, a big learning curve for him and, and a massive positive for yeah, in belief in himself to be. Able to know that he can go out and nullify some of one of the best small forwards in the competition, so it's another string to his bow because. He can do that lockdown, um, but then also just play that, um, I suppose, receiving half back and um, being a part of a system. So he's getting a few string to his bows, and it's it's pretty exciting, I think, for the future for, for him. And, you know, look at a bit of a similar to, to Brad Shepard, I think, in the way Shep played. Shepard was able to play kind of tall and small. Brady can, can, can do that. He can do a bit of a lockdown role. But they can also just play in a, in a back six system where, yeah, uh, plays the way that they want to play and also have that, that run off half back.
1: The, new, the noise continues about Tom Barris and the potential of a trade to Sydney in particular. Um, do you have any thought? I, I know I asked you about this last week and you sort of said you'd be keeping Tommy Barris if you were West Coast, but it's there um, at the moment where Sydney is placed as, you know a, certainly a pick within the top five or six at the draft, which would enable West Coast to take Harley Reid, take another top tenner and really bolster their, their top-end talent. Have you... Had any more thoughts about it? What would you do? Would you still do what you did last week?
7: Yeah, it's a, it, it, For one, I don't, I don't, I couldn't see um, uh, Tommy actually leaving Scarborough and going to all the way over to Sydney. I don't think um, uh, I couldn't see him doing that. For one, so I don't know how. I think he'd be pretty reluctant to be a part of that trade. But you know, yeah. I, as a business and as uh, as a club, you're always looking for the future and and you know, progressive years post you know the one that you're in and um, you know if West Coast feel like it is is the right fit and and you know, I suppose Tommy uh, being the calibre is, is the fairest player and you know obviously West Coast do have a bit of that loyalty you know if if he thought it was the best thing for him and his family to move, I think there would be something going on, but. Um, I don't think either parties would be, um, would be inviting in those conversations. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to talk about because I, I don't think that it will ventuate. But, you know, you never know in this industry
1: you don't Um, obviously when we talked last week we were glowing talking about Shannon Hearn and Luke Shuey what they'd been able to do against the Saints they weren't able to get up which is the other part of the equation here isn't it how well they can play and how often they can play Um, your thoughts on them if they're going to be playing 11-12 games next season does that make them viable
7: yeah well uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they'll be definitely managed. I think the back end of this year. I think mean, there's only seven games to go, so um, it will be interesting to see how many of the seven those two play. Um, you know, and, and Luke, uh, the way he played, obviously against St Kilda, you know, he gave everything. And uh, I know it seemed like he saw in his press conference. So obviously, he couldn't um, gave a bit too much, and yeah, wasn't wasn't able to get up for training. So. Um, that's just a, obviously getting older in his body, but um, it's great to be able to see that he's still able to, you know, push his body to the limit and, and give everything to the footy club. And, and obviously Shannon, who's had some um, injuries, you know, this year and in the back and forth and just managing. And it, it, you talk about a a you know, six-day break going to Brisbane. A lot of a lot of the, this would have been planned regardless of what's going on previously with a lot of those older players as well doing the big trip over there. So, um, yeah, it's it's good to see them actually back and playing and in form. Um, and obviously these rests uh, there'll probably be one or two more, I'd say, with both of them um, leading into the back end of the year and hopefully then finishing off yeah this year with, with some consistent football.
1: Josh, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Obviously, we're a bit rushed today. We're, uh, we believe there'll be oh, a press conference at Gold Coast uh, to make it official that Stuart Jew and the Sons are parting uh, company, uh, but we really appreciate your uh, your thoughts and your insights on the show. No worries. Thanks, mate. Josh Kennedy, he joined us on mornings thanks to New Farm Galaxy. New Farm Galaxy is the flexible tank mix partner to control broadleaf weeds. We'll take a break and be back with more of the show.
0: So, I've said time and time again, Stewie's our coach, contracted for this year and next year, does a good job, he'll be contracted well into the future. So, all I can say is, he's got my support to go and get on with the job and manage our players and our staff as well as we can uh, to see what performance we can get out of Port Adelaide and across the rest of the year.
1: Yes, and all we can say is the best laid plans of mice and men. That was Gold Coast CEO Mark Evans very recently talking about Stuart Dew. Stuart Dew has been sacked by Gold Coast. We'll be taking you to that press conference live after the news.
2: So Stuart Dew um, spoke with the powers that be late last night and he was informed that he, he would be sacked at the club and then the players came in this morning. Yesterday was a day off. And then they were informed by, again, Mark Evans um, at a meeting that Stuart U had been sacked um, with immediate effect. Exactly right. Exactly. So Gold Coast needed to make the call, um, maybe with a nod and a wink, maybe from Damien Harvick's manager. That's the sort of thing that happens rather than Damien Hardwick himself. So the Gold Coast Suns saying that they haven't spoken to Damien Hardwick is accurate, but it doesn't mean the Gold Coast Suns haven't got a nod and a wink from his manager, Paul Connors or someone else close to Damien Hardwick, which allows them then to make the call on Stuart due knowing that uh, Hardwick would be keen for that role, just as St Kilda did with Ross Lyon. They didn't, make, they didn't make contact directly with Ross Lyon. They went through a third party. They knew that Ross Lyon would be open to it. They sacked Brett Ratton, and then they appointed Ross Lyon. I'd be surprised if the same hasn't happened here at the Belco Coast Sun.
1: That was SEN's Tom Morris talking us through the sacking of Stuart Dew. We're coming to you live from the Toolkit Depot studio. Thanks to Isuzu Uch. You can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max. Text message coming through on the Temper at Bedshed text line from Daryl from Kingsley. Hi, Duff. Now with the news on due being sacked plus Gold Coast unsuccessful record since inception, do you think the AFL should move the club out of that region and relocate the club as a Northern Australia Alliance team tapping into the Northern Territory and Northern Queensland areas with home games at Marara and Cairns Oval and setting up infrastructure for academies and allowing draft concessions into the Alliance under 18 state teams? Uh, it looks like we've got uh, someone coming out to face the media now. Now I think that's just a, a comms person waiting to cross live to Stewie Jew. Now, what do you think of the sacking? Looks like they're coming out to face the media now. Crossing live to the Gold Coast,
6: Suns uh, Group. Last night we have unanimously agreed to exercise the termination provisions in our senior coach's role. Uh, So I can confirm following discussions with Stuart Jew that his tenure will cease immediately. Um, I want to thank uh, Stuart Jew for all that he has contributed to this club. Uh, There is no doubt that his contributions have been significant and his achievements have been well noted. Equally, I want to acknowledge that this is a decision that we don't take lightly. These are very, very difficult decisions, uh, particularly when we're dealing with the human element, people's careers, people's lifestyles. Um, their their careers and their their, their earnings. Um, So whilst I acknowledge the tremendous contribution that Stuart Jew has delivered to the club, I wanna make it absolutely crystal clear that we are unashamedly holding this club to account at a very high level. Our stakeholders expect that of us. Uh, We are completely united in our purpose, which is to have success uh, on and off the field, but particularly on the field, Um, with our men's and women's program. It's incredibly important for us to stay true to these ideals and to execute those tough decisions to make sure we deliver the best for all people concerned with this club. Mark and I and the executive and the board are completely aligned. We have a, a unanimous board decision and we are completely aligned on where we are currently, what is our purpose we've elaborated on our goals, we've gone through our processes, we understand our systems, and we are absolutely determined to execute on these. Uh, I've instructed uh, Mark, and the board has instructed Mark, to come back uh, with next steps in relation to identifying the next senior coach for the Gold Coast Suns Football Club. I'll go further and I'll say that There is a clear gap between where we currently sit and where our expectations lie. And the senior coach uh, selection process will be solely designed to close that gap. Again, for our players, for our stakeholders, for our admin, for our corporate partners, for our sponsors, for our members, for our fans. Um, We've informed staff, uh, the playing group, Uh, and and various other stakeholders today of this decision. You will well appreciate, there are mixed mixed emotions, Um, but one thing is clear, we are absolutely determined to make the next steps for this football club, the the steps that bring us to the success this club so richly deserves. My final point will be that this is an evidence-based process. In no way whatsoever, have we been influenced by media, by social media, by speculation around who may or may not be available, um, by the AFL, by the AFL industry at large. This is a process driven by evidence-based and a systematic process of evaluating what we need for this club. And it is crystal clear to us that this decision was a, a, a necessary decision Um, and we will make the next steps meaningful to ensure that this club goes on for future success. Uh, I'll now now pass on to to Mark Evans, our CEO, and uh, we will both be available for questions. Thank you.
0: Uh, Thanks, Bob. Uh, uh, This is the most difficult press conference to manage because there are two parts to it. Uh, we're stating that we desire more improvement for us to be able to deliver the success that we want, and that's led to the decision that's been made last night. But we also need to properly acknowledge Stewie uh, for what he has done for this club and for the people of this club. Getting the balance of that right in a press conference is difficult, but we'll try our best. Stewie was appointed nearly six years ago, and it was a time where we needed to try and create something with inside of this football department that... Uh, allowed people to see that there was a pathway for development. We had a major reset of our department and our playing list, and we went and got a lot of young players through the draft. And we set up all of our systems and processes to uh, develop those players as quickly as we could. So some of that has been particularly important to put uh, the football department and playing list together to the position that's in today. We think that that's in a good spot. Stewie has played an important role in that, in the decision-making to do the reset and then to assign um, games and opportunities and development uh, programs to get those players up to speed. And we have to acknowledge that. He's done that quite well. And to Stewie and Sarah and the family, when you have a senior coaching role, everybody is invested in that. The emotional investment um, and the ups and downs that go with the senior coaching role It's felt by everyone and we say to them, thank you very much for playing that role uh, and we will value your contribution for many, many years to come. In terms of what happens from here, Stephen King will be our coach in the interim for the rest of the year and uh, he will do that well. We have a good department of people, experts in their roles who will assist him with that. The leadership group and the players will quickly swing behind that because it's important that we show the world that we care about what happens across the rest of this season and get as much success in that period as we can. And as Bob said, um, the, the immediate phase is dealing with this and setting up the rest of the season. And ultimately there'll be a um, uh, an undertaking to go and select and appoint a new senior coach in due time. I'm uh, happy to take any questions if you have them.
6: Does this start with Mark first for questions and then if we need to get a follow-up?
1: So that is Gold Coast Chairman Bob East And that is Gold Coast CEO Mark Evans Commenting at a live press conference just now On the sacking of Stuart Dew. He departs after 121 games for 36 wins 84 losses and a draw I guess the big question is What happens now? We'll take a break and we'll be back to talk our way through that and what is likely to unfold at the Gold Coast Suns. If you want to have your say on that, the Temperate Bedshed text line is still open to you on 0487 736 736. The open line is 13 12 55. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA, coming to you live from the Toolkit Depot studio. I
6: must acknowledge the tremendous contribution that Stuart Jew has delivered to the club. I want to make it absolutely crystal clear that we are unashamedly holding this club to account at a very high level. Our stakeholders expect that of us. Uh, We are completely united in our purpose, which is to have success uh, on and off the field, but particularly on the field, uh, with our men's and women's program.
1: That was Gold Coast Chairman Bob East announcing officially the departure of Stuart Jew after five and a half seasons at the club. We're coming to you live from the Toolkit Depot studio, and we've been coming to you live from that press conference on the Gold Coast. Uh, Julian Marcus is joining me now. Julian, It's uh, there's no bigger story in AFL footy than the sacking of a coach.
4: And... It's quite a juxtaposition that this time last week we were talking about the statement of Mark Evans, which we've been playing throughout the show. That you know he's contracted, he's our coach. We're not listening to any external noise. You know he's our man. Stand by your man. They're basically singing from the rooftops. A week later, Stuart Jew is gone, and I find it fascinating as well that the chairman Bob Easty, he was overseas on holiday. He's come back into the country, and this has moved very quickly. So. I mean, you've been in this game long enough to know that this is surely not a decision that's just been made on a whim overnight.
1: Well, there's been cackled that Damien Hardwick will coach Gold Coast for, um, well, basically since he walked away from the Richmond job. Interesting comments from Bobby. He said, this is evidence-based. Now, clearly, mm. we're just talking about win-loss. So this is, um, you know, 36 wins, 84 losses, one draw over five and a half seasons. Generally speaking, Julian... If a coach goes four years without a finals appearance, he's in trouble. Yeah. Um, You know, that's what, if you look at Ross Lyon at Fremantle, who had taken them to four successive final series, including a grand final, he misses in 16, 17, 18, 19, and then gets the boot. Um, There's already a lot of noise about Adam Simpson now. Obviously, the last two seasons have been bleak at West Coast. Adam Simpson is about to have his third year without finals. So a lot of pressure on him next year. So evidence-based, says Bob East, necessary decision. Adamant there has been no contact with any other coach. Um, Mark Evans said, uh, um, he said, uh, do this bit properly and then bring some thoughts back to the board. So he's saying there's been no progress on any coaching succession plan done yet. I would find that hard to believe. I'd also find it hard to believe that the AFL wouldn't be involved. You've got a three-time premiership coach who's available. He's indicated he wants to coach again. um, And you need a big name on the Gold Coast to bring some gravitas and some cachet to it. I would have thought that all those things point to Damien Hardwick being the absolute front-runner for the Gold Coast coaching position in 2024.
4: I'm not sure if this is too far of a stretch, but from my background growing up in Sydney, I remember in the mid-'90s when the Swans were floundering. And granted, they were in a much worse position than where the Gold Coast was. But they brought in someone with gravitas, a big name, and that was Ron Barassi in the mid-'90s. And he turned that club around in his three-year stint there, 93 through 95, and by 1996, they were in the grand final. Now, the Gold Coast aren't in the same boat that the Swans were in the early 90s, but it's it feels similar. And look, we're putting the cart before the horse here, but it, it really is a case that there's smoke, there's fire, that Damien Hardwick, uh, I think, would have to be the short odd favourite to get that job now. It, it really does feel like the same way. And he brings that gravitas that would make Gold Coasters stand up and take notice.
1: Yeah, don't forget here, this is basically an AFL-funded club. Uh, it's a frontier club. It's it's there because of the want to expand the game and expand the code. So this is completely different to what Tasmania will be when Tasmania enters the competition. The whole um, rationale be, be behind the Tasmanian decision is that it won't grow the game any further, but it will stop the game from shrinking in Tasmania, and it should be done as long as it doesn't cost any money. Gold Coast costs the AFL a fortune. If you look at the distributions that would go to West Coast and Fremantle every year, West Coast and Fremantle would receive about $11 million from the AFL each year. The figure that goes to Gold Coast and GWS is more like $25 million. So we're talking about a $14 million funding gap that the AFL provides to make sure this club is financially viable. Um, They want a big name there. They want to cut that cost as quickly as they can. They want the code to have a toehold. in in footy uh, in, in Queensland. So uh, I would be staggered if the AFL isn't involved in this and I'd be very surprised if Damien Hardwick isn't the the coach they appoint.
4: guess I'll put this to you, Duffy. Imagine the Gold Coast go into this position now. They've made the call to Sac Stewart-Due and then they turn around in October and unveil a first-time head coach. They'll be essentially in the same spot where they were as far as visibility on the Gold Coast. This is the opportunity to do the two for one. And I would be absolutely stunned like you if it's anyone else other than Damien Hardwick. I mean, who else would there be out there that could fit that bill?
1: It's not just that, Julian. It's the fact that this is the Gold Coast where there has never been a successful sporting franchise and where the players don't get hard, critical feedback from anywhere other than the coach. They need a coach they'll listen to They'll need a coach they will take strong feedback from and who will be able to influence their performance and their their levels of motivation. That coach is almost certainly Damien Hardwick.
4: Well, if you go back 12 months, the same discussion was around Ross Lyon to go up there and beat that disciplinarian up there and have that instant gravitas. So he walks in the club, you listen to what he has to say. Yeah,
1: we'll take a break and be back to close up the show after the break.
0: Said that he's asked me to bring some thoughts
1: back to the board, and I'll do that in due course. That is Gold Coast CEO Mark Evans, of course, the man who backed Stuart Jew just a couple of weeks ago. Now, uh, part of the announcement that he will be sacked. Haven't spoken to Damien Hardwick yet, they say. I'm tipping they will. I'm tipping that he will be the main person they will want to speak to. He'll be the main person the AFL wants them to speak to, Julian.
4: Yeah, I'd imagine that if the calls have been made by. Thank you tonight, then uh, by this time tomorrow, <laughs> certainly there'll it, be a text. It's already been, their people have spoken to his people. They might have spoken
1: directly but their, <laughs> yeah. their people have been speaking. It's been a big show today, of course. Not only the Stuart Jew sacking, but also we had a long chat to Fremantle CEO Simon Garlic. If you missed that chat, you can download the podcast now. Just search for Mornings with Mark Duffield wherever you get your podcast. We've got a big show tomorrow too, Julian. Have um, West Coast Woff... Waffle coach Rob Wiley on to talk about their first Premiership points of the season. Two points for the draw with Perth at the weekend.
4: Two's better than none. Any You'll take anything right now if you're an Eagles fan, and hopefully there might be some points for the senior side sometime soon. Yep,
1: you have to start somewhere. Well, footy is a ruthless game. Uh, as Lisa from Alan Brook says on the Temperate Bedshed text line, there's never a bigger story than the sacking of a coach. Well done on your tenure, Stuart Jew, but uh, the time is up. We'll be back tomorrow to look at the ramifications of it and uh, take you forward with the other news in the AFL. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA.